I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Regularly Scheduled Programming, where we watch stuff and talk about it. I'm Joe. And I'm Ashley. And uh, you can email us at regularlyscheduledpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at regularlyscheduledpod. You can find us on Twitter at RSPpod or on Facebook at Regularly Scheduled Programming Podcast. Um, how? What's the news this week, Joe? <laughs> Uh, so we have totally lost my train of thought because you <laughs> hiccuped there. I'm sorry. It's all right. We got, uh, a new and probably, and I'm assuming maybe final trailer for Top Gun Maverick. We did. Which comes out into, comes out to theaters May 27th. And, um, I learned that Miles Teller is playing Goose's son by, by- saying to Joe, oh, he looks like goose because he has the mustache (laughs) yeah i'm moderately excited for this movie i'm excited in the sense that it'll be cool to revisit that that character and i guess that world in general but at the same time it's like do we need a sequel also because i really only like like two-thirds to three-quarters of top gun once goose dies i'm just like this movie's not really fun anymore yeah i think I definitely think Top Gun, I mean, I hate to be stereotypical, but I think Top Gun is like a case where like it's okay to be stereotypical, but Top Gun is very much like a guy's movie. Like a lot of guys really love Top Gun. Yeah, Um, especially that volleyball scene. (laughs) Um, But like growing up, my mom loved Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, I've watched Top Gun and I enjoy it. I've watched it a couple times with you and. If you were like, hey, let's go see Top Gun 2 or whatever it's called, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Then I'd be like, all right. Yeah. Like I said, I'm excited for it in the sense that I really like Top Gun. So it'll be interesting to watch. But it's just I don't know. It's not like I have been chomping at the bit for a sequel to that movie. Yeah. Uh, Next, I have uh, I think it's something you wanted me to write down. I just have the ultimatum. Yes, I have it circled on my page, too. So um, Nick and Vanessa Lachey, who created Love is Blind on Netflix, um, have created a new reality show for Netflix called The Ultimatum. It premieres April 6th. I imagine it might be a similar release format to Love is Blind. You get four episodes one week, four episodes the next, and then two the next. I'm just assuming. That's Mm -hmm. just my prediction. But basically, they get couples where... One of them wants to get married and they give them the other person like an ultimatum to get married. And then they go and they 
these couples they like couple swap and they live with a different cup a different partner okay to another couple um so like i've seen that category on pornhub (laughs) um and then basically they decide if they want to continue their existing relationship or if they're done based on living with this other person they realize like oh the grass is greener or maybe Hmm. they realize the grass was always green where they were watering it in the first place that sounds like something i will probably never watch (laughs) honestly for me and i fully admit this this show is going to be drama and messy and i'm i want it (laughs) so um i very rarely watch a reality dating show for the mess and the drama usually i'm just kind of annoyed and dealing with it this one i'm fully on board with the messiness because in my opinion if you invite something like that into your relationship you're asking for the drama Mm -hmm. so i don't feel bad for these people no (laughs) Yeah, it's, I don't. I just don't think I'm in its target demographic. No, you're not. <laughs> Anyways, so that comes out April 6th. I think okay. I said that. Yeah, we're gonna go a little uh, blue with this next piece of news, but yes. uh, it was announced earlier this week that Bruce Willis will be stepping away from acting. Yes. Um, you have the official statement from Rumor Willis, right? His yes, daughter. Yes, his daughter. Um, I believe it was cross posted through like Demi, his wife, his other daughters. Mm-hmm. But so it says to Bruce's amazing supporters as a family, we wanted to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. As a result of this, and with much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him. This is a really challenging time for our family, and we we are so appreciative of our continued love, compassion, and support. We are moving through this as a strong family unit and wanted to bring his fans in because we know how much he means to you as you do to him. As Bruce always says, live it up, and together we plan to do just that. Love, Emma, Demi, Rumor, Scout, Tallulah, Mabel, and Evelyn. So yeah, that's a little, that's a little dis- well disappointing for fans, but it's sad. Um, it is. So my all-time favorite action franchise is Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, say what you want about the later movies in the franchise, but I still enjoy them. But like that first Die Hard and even the second one is just th- some of my favorite movies of all time. It. I don't know. I, I don't really know what it is about those movies that set them apart from other action movies of the same ilk. Mm-hmm. It's just something about the premise, the story well, premise and the story are virtually the same thing. But like the way Bruce Willis is in those movies, his dialogue delivery. Bruce Willis is by far one of the top three swearers in Hollywood. <laughs> it's just the way he delivers swear words and stuff like that it's on par with samuel L. jackson mm-hmm. and so for it's weird because i think at least once a year a rumor comes out about another diehard being made mm-hmm. i think for the past like 10 years there has been rumors that they're going to do one that touches back on the uh the first one with like an anniversary of the nakatomi building crisis or something like that some of the rumors say samuel jackson is involved some of them say no don't say anything about it at all but i never really put a lot of stock 
in the rumors, but it is weird now knowing that there will never be another Die Hard movie with Bruce Willis in it. Yeah, and I mean, Bruce Willis is so iconic for so many other roles as Mm -hmm. well. Like, obviously, Moonlighting was big Mm -hmm. for his career. Uh, All the moms loved him. Yeah. Um, Look Who's Talking. I love those movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's just his voice. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Die Hard, of course. Like we watch Die Hard every Christmas. Every Christmas Eve. It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> yes, that is a hill. <laughs> um, but yeah, every Christmas Eve we watch Die Hard. I mean, what he did in Sixth Sense was mm-hmm. masterful. He, I think, in the hands of a lesser actor, I don't think the twist would have landed the same. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Armageddon armageddon I mean, say what you want about that movie it i love that movie oh that man makes me cry every time he pushes ben affleck into the elevator <laughs> yeah uh but yeah armageddon red mm-hmm. it's we so many go good on and on. so many good roles Talking about but f- for me it will always be john mcclane yeah like in my head bruce willis's tombstone when mm-hmm. he does pass eventually we everybody does it will say yippee Kaye, motherfucker <laughs> And I hope it does, honestly. Yeah, and honestly, like, I'm just really glad he has such a strong family unit. I mean, everybody knows about Bruce and Demi and how they're still so close, um, close with his ex or his current wife, his daughter. Like, they're just a very tight-knit family community. So it's good that he has people that are looking out for him and for his best interests. Yeah, and it was actually kind of funny because the day that uh, that news came out, we watched a couple episodes of friends and the first one we put on was the first episode with Elizabeth's dad, who was played by Bruce Willis. So. I know what a weird coincidence that was. And he was great. Yeah. You know, so moving on from that, we're going to go to something that's a little bittersweet, mm-hmm. way more sweet than it is bitter. Uh, we got word that uh, the release date for Obi-Wan Kenobi is being pushed back a couple of days. Yes. It is being moved to May 27th. But the sweet part is that we are now going to get two episodes on that first day, as opposed to just the single one for the week. I am thrilled. Yeah, I'll I'll take a two-day delay in order to get two episodes. It makes me wonder what the delay is for. I don't know. I wonder if something else is coming out, and they're just like, we don't want to try to compete with that. I don't know. I think we'd have to look and see if there's anything coming around or coming out around that time. But no matter the reason, it's only a two day delay. Yeah. Uh, Nothing to get all messed up about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we get two episodes as a treat. So hopefully they're both really good episodes. And they even pulled in Ewan McGregor to deliver the news like they did a whole spot about it. Yeah, they did. It's on Twitter. I can actually I'll make myself a note. And I'll find it and just like retweet it onto okay. our Twitter. So, but yeah, I mean, honestly, they could say that it was getting pushed like a month, and I still wouldn't be that upset because I'm just I'm so excited for this show. Yeah, that it would take it would take a lot to uh, to tarnish that. I mean, here's the thing: I might be a little annoyed if they were like, "Oh, it's been pushed back a month." But like in the grand scheme of things, who really cares? We're still yeah. getting the show. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's it for the news. That's all I really noticed. 
Yeah, um, I kind of scoured a little bit yesterday and today, and I couldn't really find anything that fits within our criteria for a noose. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is some weeks. So I think we will take a break for mm-hmm. an ad, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, I still don't know for sure if they're all hitting the ones that I've tested. I get ads on, so I don't know, but yeah, we're for an ad break. We'll take a break and then we'll be back to talk about what we watched. All right. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back. Hopefully there was an ad there. Uh, I think we are going to go into what we watched individually. And since I went uh, first the last couple of weeks, Ashley, why don't you go? And I have more than you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll try to keep it brief. Yeah, I honestly, it's not that I didn't watch much. I think I just didn't write stuff down. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> this week, I actually watched two episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race this week, because technically I watched the one from last week after we recorded. So last week... Bosco got the golden candy bar, so she was safe from elimination, which was kind of cool thing they did this year. Is there it, a reason why season. it's a golden candy bar? I don't know. It's like a Willy Wonka thing. Okay. I think I don't. I don't quite remember, but I know every queen was given a chocolate bar, and one of them was golden, and that would give them immunity from being eliminated that week, and it saved Bosco last week. And then this week, they did a roast of Ross Matthews, which you you kind of watched part of it, but you don't really... Well, I was in the room while yeah. it was happening. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as watching. <laughs> Good point. So, after the roast, I was shocked that both Deja Sky and Georges got eliminated. And Bosco actually won this week. So, she went from being almost eliminated last week to winning the competition or the the contest this week so that was kind of cool um also i really like bosco she's one of my favorite queens i also watched secrets of playboy and they had an episode where they had the twins from girl next door they came on i think it was there was twins on girl next Door. yeah so there was like a transition period with the original three uh kendra holly and bridget And then the twins came and they kind of took their spot, kind of. Mm. Well, they had this like interview show where this woman was interviewing the twins and it was revealed that one of them got pregnant by Hugh Hefner. Mm -hmm. Apparently he didn't like using protection and she got pregnant Um, and she had like, 
I think it was kind of known that she had an abortion, but it was kind of secret at the same time. And that was a revelation that I did not expect, to be honest. Hmm. But again, that show is, you know, it's it's hard to watch. But and you can clearly tell that they were massively affected by this lifestyle that they were kind of pulled into and feel really bad for them. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that it sounds like they're getting therapy and getting the help they need to kind of live their lives in a different way now. But I stand by what I said last week. And I fully think that Hugh Hefner would be in prison right now if it wasn't for him being dead. (laughs) Also season two of Bridgerton. I finished it. Well, didn't you want to talk about the fact that our uh, tweet, our podcast release tweet got liked by one of the what did you say creators of I believe that? she's either a creator or an executive producer. I don't remember her name, but she liked um my tweet last week when I posted like I on Twitter I post the hashtags of everything we watched and she liked my tweets. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um we're getting famous. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> eh, I don't know if I want maybe, to be famous. Maybe not famous. I don't want people like waiting outside our door. That's well, really I don't weird. think that would happen, but. um, oh my goodness. So Bridgerton season two was all about Kate and Anthony. There was so much or so many complaints about this season online. And I think it's because it wasn't as like overtly sexy as the first season there wasn't as much sex between the main characters like we didn't even see them have sex until one of the last scenes of the whole season mm-hmm. i think it was like second to last scene and arguably that is kind of a reason why people watch bridgerton season one is because it was very sexy and there was just a lot of that going on mm-hmm. for me. I really loved this season because I love kind of like they call it like a slow burn romance where you really get to like dig into these characters and see them falling in love with each other and longing glances. And it's just it sends shivers up my spine. <laughs> um, so I loved it. I love their romance. I was really excited to read that. The actress that plays Kate is going to be coming back for season three because the actor that played opposite the main woman from the first season uh, did not sign on for season two. So it's kind of good that she's coming back because I just really like her. I thought she did a great job with the cast. Uh, Let's see. What else did I watch by myself (laughs) that I want to talk about? Nothing. (laughs) Okay. So then I guess it's my turn. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so I just looked down at my page and I have my notes separated into two columns, solo and communal. And I looked down at my solo column and I saw solo. And I was like, I didn't watch solo this week. <laughs> <laughs> but so I finished the, um, I guess the IP man or not IP man, the Ip man uh, saga of movies with three and four. Mm-hmm. And they're all really good. It's like I said, with the first one, the, the pace of the or the way they tell the story takes a little getting used to because like you have I think in all of them like you have the big climactic like fight scene and culmination of like the main driving story and then you get like 20 to 30 minutes after that where it's much more personal about it man's life like in uh in the third one uh you find out that his wife has um some kind of cancer in her abdomen. I don't remember if they specify 
where it started or where it spread to. Mm-hmm. But you spend like like i said like 20 minutes just with him living with his wife being more attentive and stuff like that but it's just a very different kind of storytelling um than a movie that would get made here in the states where that would probably take place before the big grand finale i guess in that in that movie there was another fight scene at the end but like the the story was more wrapped up before that happened anyway (laughs) <laughs> Four movies, they were all good. Um, I enjoyed them all. Donnie Yen was really good in all of them. Okay. Um, next, I finished uh, Into the Badlands. Great. Yeah, finally. And I really liked what they did with the final season especially. You can tell that they did intend to um, have more seasons. That's what I was just going to ask. Like, If you felt like it was complete or do you feel like man i wish there was more of this no it's not that i wish there was more because i would actually i don't know if i would and i'll explain why but there was definitely planned to be more seasons because the main character died Hmm. but you see him again in kind of like a i don't want to say it's an afterlife but it's like a midway point where he sees another character that died and she reveals to him that like his latent like special like ability or powers were awakened just before he died and that's why he was able to be there and then she tells him that there's an even greater evil coming to the badlands and then the season ends with this character that was introduced about midway through the season i think finding a gun so in the whole series like there there have been zero guns it's Mm -hmm. all melee weapons and hand-to-hand combat and stuff like that i think they maybe address why at one point but ultimately the idea was that this you know greater evil that was coming to the badlands was the reintroduction of firearms and that supposedly sunny the main character would be coming back to life with his abilities and that would be you know whoever was in control of the the firearms would be the new threat basically but it, it was really good and honestly it kind of leads me to why I don't know if I'd be if I was would be super excited for the next season because I, I went into that show because I liked the story they were telling. I liked that there wasn't a lot of like gunplay and stuff like that. And then it seems like the next season, if it had happened, would have been a lot of guns and stuff, you know, so it would just would have turned into something that I wasn't sure if it's not what I signed on for. So I don't know if I would be as excited with it. I probably would have watched it and I probably would have enjoyed it. But the third season really really became something that I enjoyed with the show. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, granted, I didn't watch it, but I think that would, like, if you have a show without guns, and then all of a sudden they're bringing in guns, it does kind of make it a different show. Yeah. I'm going to skip the next one because I might go on a bit of a, (laughs) not a rant, but an explanation. But I randomly stumbled across Shanghai Noon on, it was, I think it may have been Paramount. The movie Paramount with Plus. Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. Yes. Okay. A lot of the comedy in that movie has not aged well. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We talk about this a lot amongst just the two of us while we're watching TV, especially like an older movie or an older TV show where we're like, ooh, that joke did not age. Yeah. But I mean, it was still a fun watch. You know, yeah. there's some really good fight scenes in it and stuff like oh, that. Oh, Jackie Chan. Yeah. You know, and Owen Wilson. He's yeah. always fun to watch. So I also finally watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. So Is I actually. Is this where you're going to go on your rant? It's not a rant. 
<laughs> but I actually stumbled across this because I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch Kill Bill. Okay. I started Kill Bill and I watched like 10, 15 minutes of it. And then I was just like, no, nah, I'm just not feeling it. And then and under- for the record, you do like the Kill Bill movies. Correct? Yeah, I do. Okay. But it's going to lead me into so underneath Kill Bill, where it's like, you know, you may also like I saw that um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was also on Hulu and I hadn't seen that movie yet. So, I was like, OK, I'll throw that on and check it out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, I just came to the realization that I just don't think Quentin Tarantino is for me. OK, like I can see the appeal. I appreciate a lot about the way he makes a movie. Mm-hmm. I love the way he shoots, but a lot of times just the stories that he's telling, they just don't do anything for me. Okay. Um. So, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not saying that they are bad movies because I generally don't do that because it's all my opinion. Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, you know what, this director, not for me. Maybe yeah. not the right story. Well, and like I said, I do. I love the way he shoots. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, for a majority of our lives, because it came out when we were much younger, people go ape shit for Pulp Fiction. I've yes. seen Pulp Fiction. It does. It does almost nothing for me. And see, for me, like, well, you know, I love Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like some of it also is the way he puts together a movie, like you said. And that was one of the first movies I had ever seen where it wasn't quite linear. Mm-hmm. And I just found that concept like mind boggling or like where you have all these characters and then eventually you see them with the other characters, mm-hmm. but you didn't know they knew each other before. Yeah. Like none of, I didn't know any of that when I saw Pulp Fiction and arguably I saw Pulp Fiction way sooner <laughs> than I should have with that uh, rape scene. But that's that's on my parent my parents parenting me not on anything else but um i also tend to really like the music he uses in his movies mm-hmm. i think he's really good at that no yeah everything about the way he presents his stories mm-hmm. i love you know the the way he shoots the edits the the stylization the way he really leans into a an aesthetic mm-hmm. like uh once upon a time in hollywood very much a 60s movie Yes. You know, Kill Bill, very much uh, leaning into that kind of 70s vibe, but it also has some nods to uh, kung fu movies and stuff like that, obviously. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I love everything about the way he presents a story. I just generally don't enjoy the stories that he's telling. Yeah, I'm still waiting for him to... There's been a rumor for years that there's going to be a continuation of Kill Bill where it's Kill Bill 3. Yeah. And where it's supposed to be um, Copperhead's daughter. daughter. Yeah, Copperhead's daughter. Yeah. Going after um, the bride. Yeah, Black Mamba. Black, yeah, so. Beatrix. Yes. So, Spoiler alert for those who haven't <laughs> seen Kill Bill 2. Her name is Beatrix Kiddo. For literally years ago. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> and I did notice because I got, like I said, I started watching Kill Bill Volume 1. And I actually, uh, Copperhead, who's played by, is it Vivica Fox? Vivica Fox, yeah. Um, there's a scene where they're in their, where they're in her living room, and her daughter walks in, and Uma Thurman says, "My name is," and they bleep it out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she asks the little girl a question, and Vivica Fox's character says, "You know, name of character," 
but bleeped out um ask you a question you should answer but when they bleep it out you get the b and the x yeah if, if it's an x at the end of her name like i believe I it is but yeah so you get like you know it's just, it's weird <laughs> but i was like if you're really paying attention it's kind of not that hard to figure out her name anyway my my little tirade here is just like i've realized that you know quentin tarantino's movies just aren't really for me mm-hmm. but that's all right hey you know now there are pl- i mean i'll still probably see movies when they when he ma- releases new ones and come and they come out but i don't know other than maybe kill bill volume one and two a couple of times and maybe a couple of times for uh from dusk till dawn mm-hmm. i don't know if i've ever rewatched a tarantino movie that's it that's what i watched that's my little rant about uh <laughs> the uh the film world if they ever hear this shunning me because i don't really dig on tarantino well i think it's okay to like know no we think like. it's okay <laughs> that's true that is true and there are <laughs> Kurt, quentin tarantino fans are quite passionate yes and the thing is like i would say i am a fan of his work i generally see his movies mm-hmm. um i saw once upon a time in hollywood on a plane which mm-hmm. was a very interesting movie to watch on a plane um and i love brad pitt who doesn't <laughs> and i definitely thought he deserved the accolades he got for that part especially because it was his first role in a while mm-hmm. but i'm fully on board with you being like yeah i don't know if his movies are for me yeah and that's fine and the funny thing is is like when people talk about tarantino at least the people that i know that talk about i don't go seeking out people that talk about him but a lot of the the friends and stuff i have that go bonkers for tarantino like the first thing out of their mouth about any movie is like they love how violent it is and i'm like but he's bringing so much more to the table than violence and it's like they either i don't understand why that wouldn't be the most important thing like the other things than the violence. Like, yeah. like I said, the way he presents a story is phenomenal. Yeah. But a funny. lot of people tend to focus on, oh, it's wonderful because it's so violent. There's a lot more going on than just the violence. And for me, that's that's not ever something like the amount of violence in his movies tends to be a little bit of a turn off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely do I think it adds anything to the story. But I'm very much a story movie mm-hmm. person. I like the movie to have a story, even if sometimes the story might not make sense. Um, like, I was really pleased in Kill Bill where there's that scene where she kills, like, all those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's black and white instead of. Yeah. And so, like, there's the violence and there's the blood, but it's not red. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, only until the very end, and then yeah. they flip to color, and it's everywhere. Um, but for some reason, that took the edge a little bit off the violence for me. Yeah. But by nature, like I just, I'm not that big of a fan of like violence, especially mm-hmm. gun violence and stuff like that. I something controversial, I guess I could say, is like I feel like people that like violence in his movies are looking for permission to like violence and he definitely gives them an easy road to kind of push on that want a bit. Mm -hmm. But I watched his movies for the story. Yeah. And like I said, for me, it's kind of a nostalgia thing in that he was one of the first that I saw do like a nonlinear format. And that's actually 
one of my favorite formats to watch a movie in, even mm-hmm. though not that many people do it anymore, unless you're like really digging into indie movies and stuff, yeah. which I was really into indie movies more towards my early 20s, but kind of don't dig into them that much anymore. But yeah, so good. Rant. Okay. <laughs> it's not even a rant because I think feel like I was being pretty reasonable about it. Yeah. Do we are you done or did you uh, have one more? No, that's it. I was going to transition over uh, to you with. Uh, so, Ashley, you watched the Oct- the Octors, the <laughs> Oscars uh, on Sunday. Would you like to talk about that? <laughs> so Segway. I watch the Oscars every year. I have for as long as I remember. I used to watch them with my grandma and uh, I don't miss them. I am not going to touch on the most controversial moment of the night because I personally don't feel like it's territory that I need to step into. Um, but you all know what happened <laughs> there. It's been memed and discussed and oh my gosh. But um, I was so happy that Coda won best Oscar. You were pretty happy every time uh, something Coda was nominated for one. Yes. Because uh, it, like, did was it just it was so it was um. So it won best, best picture. Act, best picture. Uh, adapted screenplay. Mm-hmm. And best, I don't remember if he was supporting actor or actor, but his name is Troy uh, Kotzer. Well, it couldn't have been supporting act, or it couldn't have been best actor because Will Smith won that. That's right. I'm so sorry. I was support- just completely yeah. avoiding Will Smith. So, so, so yes, yeah, so he won supporting. supporting actor. He's the first deaf man to ever win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have not seen Coda, first of all, Ted Lasso is reason enough to get Apple Plus just even Apple TV as Plus. a child. Yeah, Apple TV Plus. Coda, for me, is a second. Admittedly, I did not see many of the Oscar movies this year. I meant to watch um, that movie with Benedict Cumberbatch on Netflix. I cannot remember the name Something of it. Something has dog in the title. Yeah. I meant to watch Year of the Dog. I don't know. No. I don't think that's what it is. (laughs) I don't think that's right. Anyway, I meant to watch it. I did not watch it. But I did see Coda. So typically, I would root for the movies that I've seen. And my movie theater was not doing like all the Oscar movies this year. So either way, it probably wouldn't have been feasible for me to go. But anyways, I was very excited. They won. I thought Troy speech was or his speech was amazing. I was also really excited when Jessica Chastain won because I thought she played Tammy Faye extremely well. Um, And I loved her dress. She looked beautiful. And I really liked her speech, too. I think it was very on topic for the things that are going on in the world right now. So the power of the dog, the power of the dog. So, yeah, that's my Oscar commentary. Also, do not and never will like Amy Schumer. But um, Wanda Sykes and Regina, I can never remember her last name. I don't know either. Hold on. I wasn't, I was paying minimal. uh, Regina Hall. Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall were great. So, and also I kind of like on Twitter, I kept seeing pictures this week of like Jason Momoa at the Oscars, just like living his best life. (laughs) And I love that. Like, I love when pictures come out from behind the scenes at these big events and you see these actors kind of like just having a good time, letting loose, enjoying themselves. And 
if if I could ever have a dream, it would be to be it at the Oscars. I would love that. So that's right. that's on the Oscars. Okay, let's move on to what we watch together. Um, I'll start. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, do we want to start with the things we watched with Michael this week? Well, I have an order here. Oh, kind okay. Like so the, let's do it the that, way we that. watched them. <laughs> So this one, this first one actually kind of connects to something we watched last week. So there's a um, a YouTube channel that I watched called Toy Galaxy. And the channel started off with him doing stuff related to action figures, like reviews and things like that. And then every so often he would do these um, shows where it was like the history of, and then it would be like a toy line or some obscure to- toy line. And then it started going into like some movies and TV series and stuff like that. And pretty much the channel has become solely him producing, you know, the history of various things related to nostalgia. Okay. And last week he released an episode on the history of Calvin and Hobbes. Mm -hmm. I watched it, sent you a link saying you would probably like this because we both like Calvin and Hobbes. I, mm-hmm. I can see our uh, full collection of Calvin <laughs> and Hobbes from where I'm sitting in the office. Right. Um, and in that, he talked about this documentary that was made called Dear, Mis- Dear Mr. Watterson. Mm-hmm. Which is and on Amazon Prime. Then I looked it up, found out that it's on Amazon Prime and said, hey, we should watch this. And Ashley said, yeah, that would be interesting. So we watched it. Mm-hmm. It was a very interesting documentary like it wasn't great i felt like honestly i felt like it was kind of repetitive like everything that they said could have been gone over in 15 minutes and was but then they kind of kept re-saying the same things every 15 20 30 minutes like yeah it's just they're they're once you get past everybody's adoration admiration for calvin and Hobbes, and their admiration for bill watterson and stuff like that like I said, it's just, it became kind of the same thing. And I'm not saying like different people saying the same thing. A lot of it was the same people saying the same things. Yeah. Like, obviously we love Calvin and Hobbes. I admire Bill Watterson. I admire how he handled Calvin and Hobbes. I think it is extremely rare in today's world to take a stand with your own work, your artistic integrity, also fame, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it was mentioned a couple times in this movie how he, I don't want to say he's a recluse, but he just, he keeps to himself. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. There was multiple times where I'm like, oh God, this guy is saying this again. But overall, um, the one thing, I don't remember where the, was it a museum or something that he donated like all of his work? His originals? Yeah, it was someone in Ohio. Yeah, I think it was in Ohio somewhere. It was like a cartoon museum, essentially. Or yeah, a and I was, museum. I looked at Joe. I'm like, we could go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and a big thing with Calvin and Hobbes and Bill Watterson was his strict adherence to the not commercialization of his characters. Right. And I 100% respect that and would never, even if I had, was in a position to do so, would never, um, try to fight against that or push against that but (sighs) as someone who loves toys and things like that i think somebody mentioned it in the uh in the documentary like not even just not for the fact that it would have made millions if not billions of dollars but a hobbs plush Mm -hmm. 
would have meant so much to so many children. Yes. And that's what I think about. I don't think about the fact that this thing could have made him a billionaire. It's I wish it had happened because I remember what it was like being a kid and getting that thing that you love, like that you can hold in your hand and you can snuggle with it and play with it and do all these things. And it's like it's it's such a powerful and important thing in childhood. I mean, like, look how important Hobbes is to Calvin. Well, you know, it. When you said that, it kind of reminded me of when Michael was a baby. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was probably like four to five months old at this point. And we got him a little Daniel Tiger plush. Actually, I'm looking at it right now mm-hmm. because I kept it. Um, and even at the little age he was, looking at the TV, looking down at this thing that he saw, that flicker of recognition, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is this is that. Yeah. And, like, I agree, like, I remember asking my mom um, if I could, if they sold Hobbs plushes, because I thought it'd be so cool to have mm-hmm. one. And I remember my uncle telling me, like, no, Bill Watterson doesn't license his mm-hmm. work. Like, it's not, you can't just go get it like a Snoopy. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go to Knott's Berry Farm and go to Snoopy Land yeah. or Calvin well, Land. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's, it's one thing to go to Hasbro or mm-hmm. Mattel. Mm-hmm. And strike up a deal where Hasbro or Mattel has controlling rights to produce whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to go to one of those companies being Bill Watterson and having uh, the ownership of Calvin and Hobbes and saying, I want to create a Hobbes plush. Mm-hmm. It is the only thing that we will create. If you would like to get in on that, because like I said, it's going to make millions. Yep. Um, so like, yeah, it's one thing if he has controlling say in how this thing is produced and being able to say, this is all that is going to be made, mm-hmm. you know, that is something that could have been done. Yeah. And, and like I said, I would never, like I said, even if I were in a position of power, I would never try to change his mind. <laughs> yeah. But as somebody who enjoys that element of being a fan of some, something, you know, being able to hold it in your hand and especially with something that was as meaningful to so many people as Calvin and Hobbes to have a Hobbes plush or something like that. Yeah. It just, I think it would have meant the world to so many kids. Well, and I do wonder like if some of his trepidation to dip his toe into capitalism with his art, um, didn't kind of create this bootleg economy of Calvin peeing stickers, which are so disrespectful. I hate Um, that. I hate that shit just from the, position of i guess you could technically call me an artist but like that's not something you created and you're recreating it and you're having the character do something that he would never do well i think the art might actually i don't know if the art is lifted from a strip it could be but he wouldn't be peeing on a ford logo yeah you know what i mean um somebody did mention in the um documentary also i think about you know there is the potential that he was so strict about his licensing because it kind of made it like the strip was, I don't want to say it like made it seem like scarcity, mm-hmm. but being that the only way to experience these things was in the strip, it brought more attention to the strip. Well, right. And he sold books with his various compilation books. I yeah. know you and I both had them when we were kids. Um, and then we have the complete collection as Joe mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, we have the hard back cover 
cover books. Um, we actually just found out that they have the soft cover, and we kind of want those now. Just because they're easier, easier to read. read. Um, and also, our son is the perfect age to experience Calvin and Hobbes. He's actually kind of getting into what is it, Dogman or Catman? Dogman. Dog, I think it's Dogman and Cat Kid okay. Comics Club. Yeah, it's made by the same guy who made Captain Underpants. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if I had the soft covers, maybe I could just be like, hey, bud, you might like this, you know? Um, yeah. And and as somebody who, this is purely a personal selfish thing. As somebody who enjoys the world of animation so much, I would love an animated series providing the art was exactly the same as it is in the comics. Mm-hmm. And the stories are unchanged. Like yeah. literally just take the strips and animate them. It yeah. would have to be done that way and not in 3D. It has to be 2D animation. Yeah, it has to be Calvin and Hobbes. Um, anyway, that's our thing on... I was going to say, um, oh, sorry. the thing I found interesting when I started kind of looking into it, and I think they did touch on this in the documentary, but I went digging. There's only two officially licensed pieces of merch that you can get for Calvin mm-hmm. and Hobbes. One was a, a t-shirt for the Museum of Modern Art. Yes. And the other was like a teacher book. That had Calvin and Hobbes, like learning through Calvin and Hobbes or something. Okay. And I think only, I know it was less than a thousand. I want to say it was around a hundred copies. And you, I mean, you can't find them anywhere. Yeah, nobody's going to be. They're collector's items. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're both really into Calvin and Hobbes, like Joe said. It was. Watching those made us both want to start rereading it uh, the whole series again. I wouldn't know. I don't know if I'd recommend the documentary per se. Uh, maybe if you're a really big Calvin and Hobbes fan, it was really interesting hearing other comic book artists yeah. talk about Bill Watterson. Yeah, if you if you want a really good, I guess kind of over, um, not overarching, but like overview of Calvin and Hobbes and that kind of thing, YouTube, the channel is called Toy Galaxy. It's on there, the history of Calvin and Hobbes. It's really good. All the videos he does is really good, so... Uh, maybe you can send me that link and I'll link it. Okay. But yeah, that, that channel, he's done everything from like ALF to Ninja Turtles, Actually, He-Man. something I can put out to the audience real quick. Would it be helpful, like when we're talking about the news, would it be helpful for us to link where we saw the news? I don't know. Let me know. Uh, I mean, I could also just, you know, do it properly and credit where we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, several things I just see from official. Yeah twitters so uh okay so that's it for calvin and Hobbes and dear mr watterson uh, moving on to the next thing that we watched which is something we actually watched with our son mm-hmm. bot bots came out yes. transformers bot bots came out yes it is really good it was so funny um having so michael for a time was really hooked on the shopkins animated yes. series Maybe it's because I'm not into Shopkins. Maybe it's because <laughs> I am very much into Transformers. But this BotBot series is so much better than I anticipated. Yeah, it was. It was so much better than I anticipated, too. It's so silly. And it does actually have like a through plot. It does. Yeah, it's I believe you could probably watch the episodes. It's like a one off. But starting at episode one, you kind of get the backstory for the Lost Bots what was the hamburger's name? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Burgertron. Get, yeah, he kind of gets kicked out. 
because he breaks the rules and reveals himself to the flesh being, yeah. which is the human. <laughs> and um, so he is with the Lost Spots and trying to get back to his... To his group. crew. Yeah, to his yeah, crew. Which I don't remember their name. I, I have only one note, and it's really the only criticism I have for the show, which mm-hmm. is I do wish that the characters in the show resembled the toys a little bit more. Yeah. But I do think the way they're drawn is probably that way because it is easier animation. Yeah. And um, it got Michael kind of back into his bot bots. Yeah. Which was kind of fun to see. We actually all pulled out our bot bots and went through and looked at, you know, what we each have. Because we all, all three of us have uh, our own collection of bot bots. Yeah. Michael has the most. Some of them we all have. We each have one of like Mm -hmm. Coco Crazy. we talked about that a little bit last week. I don't remember. Either way. We all have a Coco crazy because he's adorable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so if if you have kids, I say definitely sit them down in front of it. If you enjoy Transformers, have ha, give it a watch. I think it's great. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think there's 10 episodes. Yes, and we watched, I know we watched the first two. Yeah. And um, Michael has rewatched, I think, the second episode a handful of times. But that's just the way he does things. That, that's the way he lives his life. I mean, I think with any kid, they get kind of attached to, like, one thing. I mean, there's so many shows that Michael's watched the first episode of or the first two episodes of. And sometimes and it just like... cycles those two episodes <laughs> over and over and over again without exploring into the deeper show. I mean, it's like his comfort watching. Yeah. You know, it's like how I always rewatch Friends. Can't blame him too much. <laughs> but yeah, so we really enjoyed it. Check it out. Next up. We have what I think is probably my most exciting thing that we watched this week, which is Moon Knight. Or did I skip? Did I miss something? Well, so I have Turning Red and This Is Us before Moon Knight. I 100% did not watch (laughs) This Is Us or write down This Is Us on my list. I was way off this this week, apparently. So before we watched this is us um we actually sat down as a family and watched turning red joe had not seen it yet mm-hmm. uh, but michael and i had watched it as i mentioned what did you think of it the lack of white male representation <laughs> is atrocious <laughs> those fucking people i thought it was a ama- it's a great it's a great movie uh yeah. it's funny uh, it's so funny because I just heard whatever audience we have like suck in like <gasps> and then <laughs> No, it's it's a really good movie. It is. Um even though like, you know, I will admit, yes, there are not characters for someone like me to relate to. I don't have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't gone through those things as <laughs> a as a man. Correct. I mean, I have seen other people go through those things so so I can, you know, kind of third party relate i guess sure you bought me pads at the store you're a man um (laughs) but like it's a really fun story it is there is one criticism that i have Uh uh-oh and it is um on the father and i understand that this movie is not about him and i don't think changing this would change focus to him i wish that man had any emotion yeah it's funny because he is very much a background character not even just a background, like he has no emotion and maybe that is his character. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, and that's such a minor thing. It maybe takes it from like a 10 to a 9.9. Yeah. But I, was, I grade really, you know, easy. Yeah. I was so glad when you seemed like you liked it so much. Not that I thought you wouldn't like it, just that 
like you said, there's not you're not going to relate to it on the same level that I did as someone that yeah. was a teen girl in the era that this movie is set in, which is in 2002. Yeah. Was into boy bands, did lose my shit at an NSYNC concert at a Backstreet Boys concert, did not turn into a red panda, but everything else is fully like. Didn't literally, but you metaphorically did. (laughs) Yes. Um, I remember my friends and I sending each other, like, we used to do paper notes Mm because, you know, no cell phones, no texting, drawing pictures of, like, the boys we liked and, like, stuff like that. Not me. I'm not an artist. You drew pictures of me? (laughs) I didn't know you Mm. then. Well, actually, technically, I did know you in 2002. Yeah. But I didn't know the, you. <laughs> so the one one thing that really got me from the movie, like in a good way, um, has such a superficial thing. <laughs> but I loved when her mom and the aunt's cousin's grandma uh, turned into their red pandas. Mm-hmm. I loved that they kept their hairstyles. <laughs> yes. That is such a great comedic touch. And it's so silly. Uh, it's so Pixar. Yeah. To do something like that. Like Pixar never misses a beat mm-hmm. never they're just everything you want is there and that like you said that's just that little bit of extra that they yeah. put in there that's like haha we got you with this but yeah i really liked it it's you know it's not my favorite pixar movie but i mean you got you got to come pretty hard to dethrone <laughs> incredibles yeah it, you got to bring it yeah i don't know where i'd rank it but other I than having other than like having a favorite of something i really try not to rank things just because it's yeah. so pointless yeah but, but, like but for I said, me like i said it just it brought it brings so much joy to me mm-hmm. and michael really likes it he watched it quite a few times yeah now. he's he's been repeating that one now yeah a good and bit. honestly it does make me happy a bit because he is he's going to be a teenage boy mm-hmm he's it's a completely different experience like you like you said you don't relate to it on the same level that like i did necessarily and it's kind of nice he's getting that exposure mm-hmm. i guess without me having to like cram it down his throat yeah <laughs> i also really liked at the end uh spoiler alert when her mom's uh like i guess panda totem was mm-hmm. her tamagotchi yes <laughs> was uh is it may or my uh may may with, uh, it was May's uh, Tamagotchi and she was actually like like she actually had to take <laughs> yeah, care of it. Take care of it. Yeah, I loved that. That was great. Yeah, Although was... I will also say that. So I did have a virtual pet in junior high. I had a monkey mm-hmm. uh, and it was everything 90s. It was translucent plastic, <laughs> translucent purple plastic. But a red panda virtual pet, I would 100 percent buy. Yes. Dead air. <laughs> I, I was i was thinking in my head how freaking cute that would be mm-hmm. and like or even just in because i know they have a tamagotchi app which i did download for a while but i didn't like how you could only take care of the pet for so long and then it died i thought that was ridiculous but like someone could take the same concept and then do a red panda that'd yeah. be adorable okay <clears throat> so moving on to this is us yes i i will so I'm going to go ahead because I don't have actually much to say about this episode. Really quick. Um, this week's episode, it was season six, episode 10, every version of you. It was the Randall and final episode of the big three trilogy for yeah. this is a season six. All right. So I don't have a lot to say about this episode because I don't think there were 
like a lot of great revelations or mm. anything like that. The only thing I'm going to say is that I felt very good when my hypothesis was proven, was shown to be correct as to why Rebecca did not pick Randall to mm-hmm. be the executor, I guess, in Miguel's absence. Yes. The decision maker regarding yes. her health. More of like, a, I don't want to say a power of attorney, but kind of, yeah, the, the person yeah. that makes her medical decisions. Because she basically just lays it out like you, he would, you would move, you would try to move heaven and earth mm-hmm. to try to get me better. And that's yep. not what I wanted. Yeah. So, so I have what? a few notes. <laughs> okay. I'm sure and you actually, do. The first time we watched this episode together, I kind of absorbed it. And I didn't write my notes until my second watching the following day. And I think that definitely helped me this week. And I might follow that pattern, not to summarize, just to kind of say what I want to say about it. Um, first of all, I felt this episode was very much about the bond between Rebecca and Randall and kind of like, I don't want to say a send off for their bond, but given the complexity and importance of their relationship, I loved that the last episode we're probably getting of just the two of them was kind of like a road trip-esque episode mm-hmm. where they really talked and just got to be together mm-hmm. and reminisce a bit. Yeah, without Randall having to be Randall. The <laughs> I don't know, the 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 one who it didn't feel like he was in his normal position where he felt like he was supposed to assume the head of family role. No, and he very much like if you think about it, Rebecca was very much in the mom role mm-hmm. because she's the one that told him like, "Oh, I'll go with you to get Deja." Um, she's the one that told him to take a step back she's safe let her come to you kind of thing give her a day give her the night let her figure her shit out you know i did write you know people talk a lot about randall's hero complex but he kind of if you're watching this episode he kind of has been the hero of his family like lesser so when he was a kid and like he got the family into the pool He's the one that pulled them into the Mm -hmm. pool when they were all ready to go home. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Parents are tired. Kevin and Kate are done. (laughs) Randall's the one that gets them in the pool having fun. Creates a great memory. I don't think that Randall's hero complex is something that is speculation. It is true. Mm -hmm. He has this complex, but I think he has it for a reason. I said that there's a scene where, so Randall is being, I don't want to say propositioned, but courted to potentially become candidate for senator of Pennsylvania. And he basically tells Rebecca, like, if I run, this is something he can only tell her, he says, Mm -hmm. but if he runs, he will win. And I just, I love that confidence. I know a lot of people... Don't like that about Randall. I really like it about him. Mm-hmm. I think that I don't want to say like it's sexy because <laughs> that's not quite what I'm getting at. But it's just him being so confident when we've seen him break down, have a hard time, question himself about decisions. It just feels so good for him as a character mm-hmm. to just be like, you know what? If I do this, I'm going to win and I don't see the end. And Rebecca very much says, I do. I can see it very clearly. And I think they're definitely hinting towards like a presidency situation 
Um, Although I, I think will that's say, fascinating. I will say, you know, I'm not exactly sure how far into the future it is, but when we see those flash forwards to when they're at the Pearson family compound, it doesn't seem like he is a uh, former president because that's like 10 years, right? Um, it's got to be t- at least 10. I don't remember exactly. I know that. So in the future with Kate's wedding, I believe we've determined it's like four or five years in the future uh-huh. based on the date of the yeah. magazine article. And they talk about how he's a rising star. Mm-hmm. And now that we know, it sounds like he's going to run for senator. Um, I kind of think maybe it could be very mirroring a Barack Obama experience where he becomes a senator and then he has like this crazy, amazing speech at the DNC and mm-hmm. then potentially pursues a bigger career in politics. I'm just saying at but that agree, point, like, it's not like he's been president because there's no secret service there. I was going to say like, we didn't see any secret service and there's no way there would not be secret service, but maybe he does just decide to become a career Senator. Yeah. Let's see. Which that's a whole other political discussion about career politicians, but <laughs> is it something we necessarily agree with? No. <laughs> There, but if Randall discussion. was one, no. <laughs> I think that I wanted to ask you, do you think based on the conversation between Randall and Malik about how like that first love can always come back around? Do you think that's foreshadowing that he is her future baby daddy? Um... I mean, I guess I didn't really give it much thought because I had forgotten that uh, Deja was pregnant in that flash forward <laughs> that we saw. Right. Uh-huh. That's when we saw it was when they're at the comp, the family compound. Yes. Um, I did. So I didn't really give it much thought, but I guess there's really no reason to say that unless it's to foreshadow that. Yeah. You know, they could have very easily had a conversation where it's like, you know, just first loves hit the hardest or something like that. Yeah, but I don't think they needed to there's no, say... There's no reason to say it unless it plays... You know, it's a, it's a Chekhov's gun kind of situation. Well, right. And Deja and Malik very much break up because of their circumstances. You know, Malik is at Harvard taking care of his daughter, trying to get through school. Deja hasn't even finished high school yet. Well, and Malik specifies like he did it because it's he realized that it's not fair to her. Mm-hmm. It's not fair for her to put her life on hold to help him achieve his dreams. Exactly. And she he knows that she has her own dreams. Like she was very clear about that on that day that they skipped school. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she didn't want to get into all of it because she has her dreams and goals and she doesn't want to compromise. And we see her in the future. She's training to become a doctor. So clearly she's realized big dreams. Yeah, apparently I need to watch these episodes like three times like you do. Cause I don't <laughs> remember that. Um, let's see at the very end, we get kind of a little thing with all three of the big three. Kate goes back to Toby's apartment in San Francisco oh, and yeah. tells him that she does not want to move. Mm-hmm. It's not the time mm-hmm. basically um kevin Kevin looks longingly at madison i did i put kevin looked hopeful at madison when he brought the twins back to her you see him i don't know it just very much like hinted at he's ready to put his foot back in the game with madison yeah we still have i we know that the actress that plays sophie 
has supposedly been filming. So who knows what's going to happen there. Maybe she shows up at some point. And I will just say, you and I both said this when we watched the preview for next week. This is going to be a horrifying episode to watch as a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we see little Jack. Even just pork. walking down the sidewalk with his, um, with I don't his know what cane. the proper word is for it. But yes, because he's blind. He has a, a seeing eye cane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would imagine he's probably trying to get himself to the park. We'll get a really cute and horrifying scene of him singing the little park song that Kate has taught him walking alone with his little cane and it's just the little actor they have playing Jack is so cute and as a parent I just want to scoop him up and take him back home and we know that nothing bad happens to Jack well we know he's he gets a scar somehow but we know he's alive we've seen him in the future he doesn't get kidnapped or anything or get seriously injured or hurt but he's a little tiny kid on his own (laughs) i can't and i also can't help but feel like depending like i don't know what the specific circumstances are going to be but i have this feeling that kate is going to say that it's toby's fault that jack gets out yes there's been some speculation i've read that basically like kate tasked toby with watching jack and maybe he takes a phone call Mm-hmm. or something and that does add some credibility to when we see him in the flash forward to um rebecca or the, it's the big three's birthday that they're going there for right but it's also i don't remember if it's their birthday because i remember that they birthday. have him bring pin the tail on the donkey right but i don't remember if it's their birthday or rebecca's birthday okay so but you know they call toby and he's like you know are you sure she would want me there and yeah. you know kind of signaling that there may be some bad blood you know yeah um or just him not sure if rebecca would want him there yeah but either way we don't know where rebecca's mental state is in the future so she might not even know but yeah so that's this is us this week did we want to move on to moon Knight? yes so i literally wrote down one thing um, and I'll uh, I, I wrote the discussion. I, otherwise, I wrote down one thing, um, but so it's a snot, down, it's kind of a snotty, snotty one thing. So, Moon Knight season one, episode one, the goldfish problem. The only thing I wrote down for this whole episode is those are the most uncomfortable shoes. <laughs> oh yeah, when you see the person in the beginning break the glass, then put the shards in the sh- in the sandals. Yep, and, walk and just walk around. Um, that was Ethan Hawke's character, correct? Okay. Yes, I believe that that was Ethan Hawke's character. I think we were, see him wearing the same shoes. Mm-hmm. So I loved this episode. Oscar I, is it Oscar Isaacs or Isaac. Hmm. Either way, the guy playing is it Stephen? It's Stephen Oscar Isaac. Okay, Oscar Isaac playing Stephen, Mark, and Moon Knight mm-hmm. <laughs> does an amazing job at portraying a I do not want to say that he's a weak character in his Steven persona but you can tell that he's very mild-mannered you know he's and he doesn't know what's going on with him yeah he's passive (laughs) he uh so he ties himself up when he sleeps he uh, encircles his bed in sand so he can see if he got up he He can see footsteps he tapes the door um, and for a good reason, as we discover later as the episode progresses, because there is another um, 
personality in there, I guess. I don't know what the proper terms are. So if, you know, I misspeak and use something that isn't, you know, accurate, I apologize. And we're also not familiar with Moon Knight and the mythology behind it. So there could be more proper terms that we're not aware of at this time. Yeah, but it's just it's presented extremely well. He does such a great job portraying that character and the little glimpses that we get of Mark Mm -hmm. uh, also extremely well done. Yes. At the very end, we do get that shot of him in the suit, which looks great. My my one snotty (laughs) remark about this show is I distinctly remember a time. I don't remember how long ago it was, but Ethan Hawke jumping on that uh, bandwagon of, you know, Marvel movies aren't cinema. cinema. Or right. whatever the stance was. Because Ethan Hawke has been very much a cinema actor. He very much indie roles and stuff like that for a lot of his career. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was snotty about it. Well, I, no, no, no. It was snotty on my part to bring this no, up. But I don't remember. Is- I don't remember exactly what his quote was or how he was reacting about it. But my point is that making that makes what I'm saying a snotty comment is, yeah, you're going to talk trash until they offer you to cut a check. Or offered to cut you a check, mm-hmm. apparently. Now, you know, there's the chance that he read the script and said, no, this is great. Right, and maybe it's but, more about, like, the longer format versus your shorter format Marvel yeah. movies. I don't know. To me, they're very much the same, only you can tell a broader story. And, you know, may, I should have looked up the um, the interview or the quote that he said, because I do, I feel like I remember it being... Not just a, you know, they're in a different category than things like The Godfather, because obviously they are. Yeah. But I rem- I seem to remember it, him taking kind of a hard stance on the Marvel movie formula. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was so shocked when it was announced that Ethan Hawke was going to be in Moon Knight, because, you know, he... So, um, I'm kind of looking at this. Um, I guess this is like a retcon in his part from a, but he said he's now saying uh, on previously judging Marvel, this is from British GQ. You can't sit there in judgment about what is high art and what is not high art. I want people to love going to the movies and this is what they love. So I believe maybe that's hearkening back to his statement, maybe being about cinema being high art and those movies aren't high art. And now he's kind of like, backpedaling backpedaling like wow what a dick i was to judge movies <laughs> essentially yeah. and ultimately you know it's not that big of a deal because he no. can have his opinion all he wants yeah i'm just saying you know because was it who was it scorsese that was saying some things about the mcu yes you know and like here's the thing scorsese can say what he wants about it it's his opinion and he's more than entitled to it but if you're gonna say that and then go uh get a job with them yeah I just feel like you're kind of being a hypocrite if you're if you're trying to knock them down or if your opinion is that they are not at a level that you think is worthy. Yeah. But then you go work for them. Kind of being a hypocrite. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of scrolling through this and um, apparently he's saying that he heard about Moon Knight because he ran into Oscar Isaac in a coffee shop who said the words that almost every actor wants to hear. I'm doing this Marvel series and I really want you to be the bad guy in it. <laughs> and the thing uh, is, is Ethan Hawke is he's good in it from the first he's, episode. He's really good. 
he's doing great. He has this like charismatic, I guess maybe a cult leader. Yeah. Um, but he definitely has that down. Like he's Ethan Hawke. Everything that I've ever seen him in, I have loved. Mm-hmm. And he's bringing all of that. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I wish more quote serious actors would get on board with these Marvel movies or just popcorn fun movies in general because I feel like they have so much fun Mm -hmm. because it's like you don't have to take things so seriously yeah you know and and also like the realization of like hey you know what this is a really meaty character that I can dig my teeth into like look what Josh Brolin did with Thanos Mm -hmm. yeah amazing (laughs) so granted Josh Rowland has a very prolific career. He's played all over the place. But still, like, you get these actors that are known for more serious movies and you put them in these supposed popcorn movies. Yeah. I mean, we love them. Yeah, I love them. I love them more than serious movies because I can I go back and rewatch them constantly. Yeah. I'm and it's not, not just... trying to talk shit about no, yeah. the Marvel movies. And you no, know no. that because you know I love them to mm-hmm. death. But... I think I think when I say popcorn movie, I'm saying like it's more of like public perception, yeah, or like what people who only watch indie slash serious movies think about the Marvel movies. Where it's like if you let yourself actually enjoy the movies, maybe sit down and watch one, turn off your critical brain a little bit, you might find that there's more there. Yeah, and like for me, the reason like I will always go and see a movie that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. but there there is a whole category of my movies that i like which is i loved that i i loved that movie i am glad that i saw it i will probably never watch it again though and that's yeah. because and that's because <laughs> it's typically a much more serious take on something and it a lot of times hits really close to home and it's like look my life is 90 percent serious yeah you know we're adults we have a kid we have bills you know if I'm going to throw in a movie, I don't need to be watching that happen. That's why I don't like This Is 40. Yeah, I don't need to watch my real... Oh, news. They're apparently making a This Is 50. Uh, I don't know if it's been like greenlit or... I think it's been like speculated. Avatar wants to. Yeah. But um, I agree. Um, Like uh, a movie that we like that we'll never watch again, The Accountant with Ben Affleck. No, that, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, that one I just didn't really like enough to watch again mm. because that's a action flick. So what, let's give the audience an example of a movie that we've seen that we're like, oh, glad we saw that. Never going to watch it again. What is the one with Tom Hanks where he's doing the negotiations, I think, for, is it, I think it's a prisoner, uh, it's the bridge or the, I'm trying to think, you know what movie I'm talking about? Was it the one that we watched? It was kind of recently? No. Oh. Here we go. No, the the most recent new Tom Hanks movie we saw was Greyhound. That was fucking amazing. Uh-huh. Because it was it was just like it was an I think it was only like an hour long, but it was because of its time frame and what was going on, it helped keep it really really tense. I would watch that again. Mhm. Bridge of Spies. Oh yeah. So, phenomenal movie. Tom Hanks is amazing in it. I'll probably never watch it again. That's not exactly what, what I was talking about, about like being too uh, close too to home serious. and too serious. But like, you know, it's I saw it. It was uh, wonderfully made. I don't think I, I don't really have a need to watch it again. Yeah. 
So Moon Knight, love it. I am so excited for the next episode. (laughs) Uh, We can move on to Halo. This will probably be a pretty short segment. So Halo season one, episode two, Unbound. Uh, so I, yeah, we we both kind of had a similar uh, ex- reaction uh, when this episode ended. I can explain my reaction. I literally wrote nothing. And if you asked me to try to explain a majority of what happened, I could not. <laughs> yeah, like we the episode ended, and we both kind of looked at each other, and it's like, and we were like, yeah, apparently that was an episode of Halo. And there just there wasn't a whole lot there. They gave some background a little bit of background some exposition um i guess help understand the character of master chief a little bit better at least where he at least a little bit of his past but it's like i don't feel like anything drove the story forward yeah for me i'm just like i came away from the first episode kind of excited and now i'm gonna go into the third episode like okay are we gonna get the first episode again or are we going to have to sit through the second episode again? Um, so I will just say for the record, like if this episode is ver- is like the second episode, I think I'm probably out. Yeah. Um, it, and it's not that it's bad. It's not bad. It's just it wasn't interesting. It wasn't interesting at all to mm-hmm. me. Like I, I like seeing the other world. I kind of like, okay, his friend got away from yeah. this brainwashing camp. <laughs> And um, now he lives on an asteroid. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, I I didn't write a thing down. And I have notes. Yeah, and for me, a Halo series, I think, is going to be a hard sell for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Because your your fans of Halo are going to expect one thing. But you also need to present something to bring in, hopefully, people that aren't necessarily fans of Halo like we are. Mm-hmm. so you kind of gotta you gotta you gotta come at it hard like yeah and i just don't feel like episode two accomplished that episode one i felt was a really good start was a really strong start yeah i think they had a good mix of dialogue and action and that's yeah. kind of what i was hoping for for episode two and there's a little bit of back a little with, bit of like exposition and stuff like there's that. there's absolutely nothing wrong with exposition a majority of the shows i watch are exposition heavy mm-hmm. but that's not what I wanted for this. Yeah. Um, my expectations were set high for episode one. Like you I for was, episode two. Yeah, for episode two because I liked episode one so much. Mm-hmm. Like we came away from it last week. Like wow. Yeah. We were we were both and pleasantly now I'm surprised. Going into episode three, saying you have this episode to get me to keep watching. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Regardless, I will probably finish it. Yeah. Uh, at least the first season. I don't know if this is. It's, it is labeled as season one, right? It is. So they but, must be planning on multiple seasons. Well, I know that sometimes they just do that to like hope that yeah, it gets a true. second season. So that's I true. guess TBD, I have not heard anything about a greenlit second oh, season I, yet. I don't think we'll get that until uh, the whole season has come out. Unless yeah. their numbers are just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, so that's it for Halo. Uh, a little disappointed, but not in the, just it didn't grab us. It didn't give us something to excite us for next week. Nope. Uh, Moving on to Picard. And that's the last thing we watched together this week. Yes. I mean. Other than some friends. Yeah. So Picard season two, episode five, Fly Me to the Moon. And it was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yep. 
so yeah, this episode, you find out that the Watcher it's not is, Laris. Yeah, it's not Laris. <laughs> it is. It could be Laris. Um, she called herself Talon. Yeah. Well, I just meant like it could be Laris. Like we don't know, we don't know if she's human, and just given this job. Yeah. If she is some other kind of species or whatever. So we, we don't necessarily know. Yeah. So but we either know way. That she has been tasked with watching Brene Picard mm-hmm. for the past 20 years. I her, believe basically her, I think her whole life. Her mostly. whole life. Um, Brene Picard is descendant of, or sorry. An ancestor. Ancestor. I did that when we were watching the episode too. She is an ancestor of Jean-Luc Picard. Basically Obviously. like his great several times aunt. Yeah. I don't keep track of what year things happen in star trek but no um and she is going to space yeah she has a space mission to i don't remember where it's to but ultimately she discovers i think they say like she, being well or a like li- a, something that like is a microorganism sentient? or something like that yeah. out there i don't know if it's sentient but I some kind of living some kind of organism yeah some kind of organism that she discovers that if she's not on that flight, that sounds like that's what's changing the course of history. Yeah. So it seems like this, that her, that flight is the pivotal moment. Yes. And we also learn that, you know, she has her own struggles with things and she's going to therapy. Unfortunately, her therapist therapist is Q Q. (laughs) doing a, what sounds like a really bad wannabe Freud (laughs) accent. Yes. And I love the look on Picard's face when he realizes yeah, it's, it's cute. It He's is, so pissed. It is that <laughs> motherfucker. And um, we also get ancestor of Soong, um, yes. Adam Soong, who has a daughter who um, is allergic to... It looks like she has some kind of genetic disorder that makes like the like if the air is unpure, it um can wreak havoc on her lungs the, the sunlight sun is, poisonous. is poisonous just all these things yeah and she is played by the same actress um as the last, the last synth year. character the synth main character from last season whose name i don't remember yes yeah i don't remember and q is manipulating adam soon yes um, he, he gives him a potion that temporarily cures this girl's disease since she's outside swimming yeah. and then she gets out of the pool and is immediately like poisoned mm-hmm. again <laughs> so. and it looks like so it looks like q is trying to recruit soon mm-hmm. to do something to to renee picard mm-hmm because it seems like maybe Q's powers do not work on her for yeah. whatever reason. And it could be because she's being watched or whatever uh, yeah, species not... or entity assigns the watchers or something. But so it looks like Q is trying to do things a more mundane way by like being her therapist and trying to talk her out of doing the space mission because she has some doubts and anxiety about it. Or recruiting soon. He's manipulating her the way other humans manipulate each other. He can't use his powers, so he's using manipulation. Well, it seems like he can't use his powers on her. Right. So the last thing that I really... Well... There's the whole thing with Gerard... 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 Gerard Yeah, well, I was first going to just touch on the fact that... um, 
Rios is off the bus. Yes. Um, Seven and Rafi. Rafi rescued him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank goodness for that. That's over. Um, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> well, uh, unless they uh, transported it back, they still don't have his comm badge. That's true. So they have to figure that out. But yeah, the stuff with Agnes, Jurati, and the Borg Queen. So. Do you want me to run it down? Go for it. So the Borg Queen. So Agnes gives um, the Borg Queen the cold shoulder in the last episode. So the Borg Queen starts doing her thing and taps into like radio frequencies and then gets um, like the cell towers and dials the French version of 911, whatever, 999. Is that what it is or something? I don't know. Either, Either way. way, the French police come. Yeah, she calls the police, says that there's a girl being attacked. They send out an officer. Uh, he makes his way onto the ship. Borg Queen captures him, calls to Gerard. Oh, I really quick just want to touch on the fact that he's on a spaceship in 20... Yeah. Whatever. He's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the Borg Queen is threatening to kill this guy. Either kill yeah. him or assimilate him. I'm not exactly sure. Not really sure what um, she was going to do. But... Agnes. If if Gerardi, yeah, if Agnes doesn't do what the Borg Queen wants, and Agnes is like, eh, well, whatever, and she shoots the Borg Queen. That's what we see initially. Yeah, and then in a brief flashback, you see that the Borg Queen didn't die instantly. Nope. And has kind of downloaded herself into Agnes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, know if I it was go supposed as to... far as assimilation necessarily, yeah. but she's definitely she's in a there. part of Agnes now. Yeah, she's in there. Yeah, um, which I think we kind of figured was going to happen. Somehow. I honestly didn't know what was going to happen between those two, but I knew something was going to happen. Yeah, I will say honestly, I was a little disappointed. I was hoping she shot the Borg Queen, and even though I was shocked and wondering how they were gonna get back to right time um i don't want this yeah (laughs) i'm Um, so i will say that i'm way more invested in what's going on with the plot line specifically regarding the the timeline yeah this additional thing between agnes and the borg queen i'm like it's interesting, but I feel like because we're doing that, I'm getting less of the thing that I'm really interested in. Yeah. Same thing with the the situation with Rios. Right, which is kind of why it's like a Passover for us. Like, we're definitely more interested in the A plot. Yeah. Um, Rather than these side plots. I will say the actress that plays Agnes, I, I very much like what she's done. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I like it. <laughs> You like how she's done. Like you like I like how she's doing it. Yeah. Um, and she looked fire in that red dress. <laughs> <laughs> I was sorry, just I'm laughing. This is not something you normally say. Fire. I know, but like there's no other word to describe to me how brother. she looked <laughs> how she looked in that red dress. It was just it was the perfect dress for her character, her body type. Just wonderful. Yeah. I I did when we turned off this episode. I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just, I oh, wanted I'm, more. Is the thing. Where they stopped it made me really excited for the next one just because it really felt like, it felt like what they were getting ready to do was going to be in this episode. That's why I think when we turned it off, I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. I thought you meant like, eh. 
no i i like the episode enough um this is not a halo situation i'm <laughs> on board for the remainder of the season unless something horrible happens they kill like picard. they're like yeah <laughs> like they kill picard q wins <laughs> i just i think i wanted i wanted 10 more minutes is the yeah. thing and so i'm hopeful the next episode is gonna give me the satisfaction that i was hoping for at the end of this episode granted we are smack dab in the middle of the season so mm-hmm. we're going to get episodes where we're gonna want more that's the point yeah once again we forgot to watch ready room so we have no idea what's happening next week yeah <laughs> but not, i heard that, that the actress that plays the boar queen was on it this week so mm-hmm. that might be kind of interesting but yeah we watched that it was good well, that's about it and that's pretty much it did we did did either of us work on a way to sign off this podcast i didn't (laughs) i think uh we just need to say bye and be good with it bye click bye (laughs) okay so thanks for listening if you listen uh this one actually is a little bit long pre-edit yeah well but i feel like it's good it's dense it's like a really it's like a dense dessert Oh, I don't know. I might cut that. That sounds weird. Anyway, that sounds so good. thanks for listening. Uh, and we will uh, be back next week to talk about more Moon Knight, Halo, Picard. This is us. And whatever else <laughs> we decide to watch. four active shows. Yeah, and whatever else we decide to watch on our own. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.